Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Have you ever heard an influencer say that this is financial advice? I know I haven't. And I love when I'm in a Twitter space and I hear them speak about all of this stuff, they even title the room something like how to make money with NFTs. I've seen this in blog posts, YouTube videos, and so forth. But then they always get to my favorite part when they say this is not financial advice, right? Even in this podcast, I say it. Obviously, I am not a financial advisor, but I find it very funny when they label something as clearly financial advice and then they still say this is not financial advice. So I don't know about you, but when I hear that, guess what I do? I definitely take it as financial advice, and I know it is code for invest your entire life savings. Just kidding. Take everything with a grain of salt, because the one thing I'm certain of is that these 10 things is a sure way to lose money in this space. So we're going to dive in each one, hopefully saving at least one person a lot of pain. And I'm going to leave the full list of everything so that way you can kind of skip around to see maybe one of these things is what you really want to hear about. And if you look through, I'm going to have list number one through 10 in the show notes so you can have an idea as to the direction of where this is going. So the first thing I'm going to say is listening to influencers without other streams of income. And when I say influencers with other streams of income, I mean that this is their entire bread and butter. As far as they're making all of their money pitching whatever NFT project or crypto project or whatever it might be, a certain platform where you need to stake a coin, whatever. I don't know exactly what they're going to be labeled or what they're coming out with these days. I mean, it seems like every day there's some new thing as a surefied way that they're going to label it as this is definitely where you should put your funds because the NFT market is going through rough times. Crypto, the stock market is a bear market. This is where you need to put it. And anytime they say things like that, you should always take that with a grain of salt, knowing that if their main income is getting commissions off of that, they are literally just picking up any kind of product or service that offers the highest commission. And as one thing fizzles out and dies, guess what they do? They move on to the next thing. And I like to think of even way before Web3, I had a buddy that I went to college with. He was on the football team with me. And I kid you not, he had about four or five different business cards in his pocket because literally, which everything was giving him the commission, he would sign up for it. He would start to sell it. And it's like you would go have a conversation with him about party planning. He would have a card for that. You want to start to invest in jewelry. I mean, he literally had a business card with ways to invest in watches that you could go out and, and I could go through insurance, so many other different things. It's because he was literally just signing up for anything that gave him a commission. He would sell it. He would promote it. And when one died, he always had four more in the reserves and he just moved on to the next thing, always keeping that stream of income. Now, granted, diversification never running out of ways to lose income. However, when someone's sole income is in this as promoting, well, you know for a fact that they can't be convicted about whatever it is that they're promoting. And as things crash and burn, there's going to move on to the next thing, whatever pays the highest. So how do you avoid that? Well, if someone has another business, another stream of income that they're famous for, so let's say 
Their primary business was running a factory or something of that nature. And then they just happened to stumble into this Web3 space and they're speaking about NFT projects and they're speaking about crypto and what have you. And they're not necessarily pushing anything. That is a much more credible source than someone who is literally a full-time shiller, right? They're getting up there and they're just selling, getting that commission. So just take all that with a grain of salt and just know that that person is not going to be screening everything, making sure that is really that good. Number two, not researching founders, because a lot of the time when you get into a business or you're investing in a business, you're really investing into the individual. That founder, it doesn't matter how great that idea is, it matters how well they can execute it. If you've ever watched a show Shark Tank, I've covered this many times before, use that analogy. The number one thing that Shark Tank is looking for is they're trying to figure out what that founder is all about. Do they have the capabilities, the plans, the drive, the personality in order to execute whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish? And funds are not the issue. So before Mark Cuban, Damon John, and all those people that are on the show decide to cut a check to that particular business, they grill and interrogate that founder because at the end of the day, Businesses do not invest their own money. The founders and the managers, the team, they're the ones that are investing that money. So getting into a project, whether it is crypto or NFTs and not understanding who those founders are, if they have that best interest for the business, they know what they're doing. They're not just running off, flying private jets, having parties, buying Lamborghinis is a very dangerous thing. And it's literally like throwing money at a dartboard or roulette wheel, whatever you want to call it, just completely gambling, scratching off a lotto ticket, you name it. It is just a total guess. Number three is FOMOing into the top. And the same thing applies for both NFTs and for crypto. And FOMO, the fear of missing out, is usually, I have no idea why this is. Well, I do know why it is. It's the psychology behind it. When there is a bull market and things are at the all-time high, that is when everyone wants to buy into it. When things are cheap and low in a bear market and all the prices are falling, the majority of people want to sell and get out. And it's totally backwards. A sure formula in how to lose money for sure in any kind of market is to buy high and sell low. No, you want to do the opposite. However, no one has an eight ball or has the ability to tell the future, knows exactly when the low is and the high are. So it is virtually impossible to time the market. But guaranteed losing money is buying something expensive and then selling it for cheap. So when people FOMO into the top, they are seeing these high prices and they're seeing their friends, they're flexing, they're posting about this on Instagram and Twitter and wherever else, all the profits that they're making. And guess what? They just feel left out. So they jump into the thing and they buy it at the top and then just see it crumble. And those people that really know what they're doing are taking their profits and exiting. And guess what? The people that are FOMOing in, they are the exit liquidity, meaning that the people People that are buying the top and FOMOing in, they are giving that exit for the people that are doing their homework, the research, and really watching the trends and are really the ones that are being successful in this space. And then, of course, when those people FOMO in and it crashes, they sell at the bottom and just take a beating. Number four is chasing the hype and not fundamentals. And chasing the hype really just goes after whatever an influencer says or whatever the climate of the room is the statistics or whatever the data back in the day, I say back in the day as if this was years ago, but four, five, six months ago, whatever was going on on IC tools, whatever was trending, not really understanding what was going on in the project to seeing that it was at the top of the charts and just buying into that. And that is the exact opposite of the fundamentals. And the fundamentals is the boring stuff. What exactly is this business doing? What exactly is this project building? Exactly how is this going to be creating a return? What are they doing with the funds that they're getting? Or if in the case of crypto, 
exactly what does this token do? What is the real world utility, the value of it? Where is this going to be issued? What partners do they have? What is the goal for that currency long term? Those are the type of things that are fundamental. That is not interesting. It is kind of a boring topic. However, that's what keeps things going. At the end of the day, even when you're looking at something like beautiful architecture, right? At the end of the day, it is nuts and bolts and it is carpenters and masons and steel workers that are putting these things together. Sure, the final project, what everyone likes to ooh and ah about is the wonderful architecture, but the fundamentals is if those nuts and those bolts are not good, that entire building comes crumbling down. So just understanding that the same thing with NFTs, crypto, everything, it's the same really. Number five is just being impatient. And impatience is probably one of the most detrimental things, period. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a time in my life where I've ever made a great decision right after my patience running out. And it's usually that I am going to be hasty. I'm going to be irritable. I'm not going to take all the data that's at my fingertips. And I'm going to make an emotional decision. And emotion and logic are like oil and water. They just don't mix. So when someone is impatient, whether it is the fact that they have something on the market and has been sitting there for, let's say, two weeks, and they thought it would have sold in one week or one day, and they decide to just lower the price, lower the price, and then guess what? All of a sudden, it sells, market picks back up, and then someone is selling it for four, five, six, 10x, whatever it is, right after that, they start to kick themselves in the foot. Well, the reason being is sometimes we just have some very short-time thinking, some short-term thinking, I should say, and we're not looking at the bigger picture. We're not understanding that other things things are going on in people's lives. They might have missed certain things. A lot is going on in this space. Literally every single day, even in this bear market, different things are coming out. There's news events, even outside of Web3. I mean, there's wars going on, there's famines, there's hurricanes, you name it. So people could be distracted. Maybe they missed the listing or the announcement, the tweet that you might have put out. And even back to school is going on. I mean, so much is going on that distracts people. There is other things to do than other than watching the asset that you're trying to see is going up, right? So impatience is probably the most expensive mistake that people make. And it's just short term thinking. And honestly, I've gotten so many deals just out of people that just weren't willing to wait things out. And this is not just limited to Web3. I can think of just anything where I'm willing to, okay, I can sit with this thing. I'm okay parking a little bit of money here or buying something really cheap and just hoping down the line because I know that it's worth way more than I'm paying for. Things like that always come up. Impatience is expensive. Number six is chasing rarity as far as with NFTs. Now, this is something that I predicted coming into this year that rarity really wouldn't matter as much going forward. And for the most part, it kind of is in the sense that people are buying NFTs that really represent themselves when it comes to these profile pictures anyways. Their, their uh, traits are somehow telling a story that they can relate to that connects with them, identifies who they are, and they take on a digital identity or a persona when they use that as a profile picture. Now, that is completely different than just chasing rarity. Rarity was like what we came into the space looking for, trying to get the most rare thing. So that way, in theory, it had the most value and you could sell. But here's the thing. Something that is very rare and in theory has the most value, it is the most illiquid asset in the entire collection. So let's just say the average NFT in a particular collection is selling for 0.1 ETH, right? Or let me just be objective. So that way it could be wax sold, it could be anything. It's selling for about $100 worth of whatever cryptocurrency it is, right? However, the rarest 5% 
are selling for 10, 15, 20x that. Well, here's what happens. This is a very small market as it is for NFTs. I mean, as I've been saying multiple times, using high estimates, I'm saying, okay, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, using the max number that I could possibly think or reasonable suggest, maybe at one point there were 2 million people in this space. Far less now, however, let's just say out of that 2 million people at the peak, only 1% of those people could actually afford to buy into these rare NFTs. So immediately it makes it that much more illiquid and the market for them, the people that are in there is even smaller than the already small market. Therefore, rare NFTs are by far the hardest to sell. And that goes back to the whole number five of just being impatient. So a lot of the time people buy these expensive rare NFTs thinking that, yes, sure, this is the best value ever, and therefore I'm going to be able to sell it. It's really worth 10x this, but I was able to buy it five times the floor price, and that makes it just a great buy. However, once impatience starts to set in, guess what happens? People realize that, no, I think I overpaid for this. Yes, it probably is. Let's just say, for argument's sake, it is worth 10x the floor price, right? However, one month goes by, two months goes by, the market is going down, bear market sets in, bad news sets in. Guess what? That 0.5 NFT that was 5X the floor price, that person might get very skittish and then unload it for way less than they even paid for it. Sure, it's above the floor price, but it's half of what they paid for it, 0.25. Now they have a 0.25 loss or going back to the whole dollars thing, I forgot, I'm not speaking in ETH, I'm speaking in dollars. They're losing hundreds of dollars in one transaction. Absolutely ridiculous. Number seven is over leveraging because a lot of times people will say, oh yeah, this project is absolutely amazing. You have to get into it. And again, going to those spaces, once they start to play that pump it up music, really get everyone hooping and hollering about a specific project, maybe a trait group, whatever it is, someone buys into that, they empty out their MetaMask, their wallet, their Phantom, whatever it is, and they dump all of their crypto into that thing. And then guess what happens? Now they are over leveraged. They have way too much riding on one particular project. And guess what happens? When bad news starts to happen, maybe all the red flags start to pop up and saying, you know, this might be a rug pull. The founders aren't as committed as they used to be. But the emotion then sets in and says, no, I put everything I had into this one project. Therefore, it has to do well. All the blinders start to go up now. The red flags are going off. But guess what? That person is so focused and so dialed into not losing their over leveraged bag that they're going to miss all of those other things. So in the case of let's just say everything is going down in that particular project, whether it's crypto or it is the NFT, and it is now down 30, 40 percent and all the red flags are saying it's going to zero. Guess what's going to happen? that person is most likely going to get very emotional and say, no, I don't want to lose 40%. It can't go down. They're going to rebound. And usually what people start to do at this point is buy in further, assuming that they have any kind of liquidity whatsoever. And there is a whole thing on this. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. And you can Google that, look it up. But generally speaking, this is how a lot of uh, people are scammed, such as the, uh, if you ever heard of the Nigerian prince, you know, you get that whole email scan. It has been going on since like the 90s, where someone uh, emails you saying they're a Nigerian prince or whatever prince, Russian prince, and they're in prison and they just need a certain amount of money in order to get out of prison and access their funds, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a lot of the times, like, I'm always like, how do people even, like, this is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. How does someone end up wiring some so-called prince millions of dollars or whatever it is in order to help them access their thing? Why can't they just say, well, take that out of the riches that they already have or have somebody else wire it, one of your royals or whatever it might be. And it comes down to that whole thing. The sunk cost fallacy. When someone puts in $10 into something and they say, okay, well, I already put $10 into it. So I don't want to lose that $10. Then they up it to 100. Well, I don't want to lose that 100. 100 really isn't that much. Like, sure, I could double that, put another 100 in there. Then you're up to 200. Before you know it, you're up to $10,000, $100,000. Because the more the person then starts to spend into it, guess what? They don't want to lose that. They're already thinking, well, you know what? I don't want to lose all that. So might as well keep going. And hopefully this comes through. And it might sound absolutely ridiculous to the average person who is maybe a little bit more of a savvy investor, at least thinks they are. But let's just say, like, for example, someone who is in college absolutely hates their major, has no intention of going forward with this, doesn't want to do it for a career or anything, but already has spent thousands of dollars in whatever major it is, two years of college and says, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. A lot of students will say, well, I'm already halfway through and I don't want to burn through my student loan or waste my parents' money, so I'm just going to go and finish it. And I know countless people that went to law school, med school, and one semester in or two semesters in, they already knew they didn't want to do it, but they went through, did the whole thing, ends up in that field, maybe spends a year or two if they get that far, and then they exit it. So goes to the whole thing. That is called the sunk cost fallacy, meaning that if cost is already in it, it's just doesn't make sense to quit now. So might as well just work it out, keep going and things will get better. Well, that happens a lot when people are over leveraged. They have so much in it and all the red flags are going to ignore it. So watch out for that one. And that just leads to right into number eight, which is not having liquidity. And the same thing sort of happens. This is sort of a combination of number five, the impatience, and of course, over leveraging. And that is, okay, when someone has not enough liquidity, meaning that they have too much of their cash, their liquid cash, that is tied up into something that is illiquid. So for example, you have too much of your ETH, your soul, your wax, whatever it is, tied up in a particular NFT that is just not moving. And now you're seeing great deals. You're seeing all sorts of things all over the place. And guess what? You don't have any funds anymore. However, you have these NFTs that just aren't moving. And that's when people tend to lower the price. They start to do all sorts of things and uh, start to panic. Impatience sets in. Then they're seeing other deals that are popping up and FOMO starts to set in. They start to do irrational things. Emotion, logic, do they do not mix. So having not enough liquidity is very dangerous and could be a trap. Now, this one, I'm definitely speaking from experience as someone who had tied up a lot of crypto and NFTs. I'm not the most liquid person at all. Now, I know that I'm in this thing for the long run and I know that I'm not going anywhere and whatever. So the market is down and I know this is a terrible time to sell a lot of the assets, especially for example, like my chibis and my 3D assets. Like the market is down significantly. So if I wanted to get some liquidity, I would have to sell at a massive discount and I think I'd be doing a disservice. So I tend to just keep it there. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna ride this storm out. Now, this could be tying back to the whole sunk fallacy. However, I truly believe in those assets. I still love them, so forth. I just know it is just like a, a house, right? A house is a house. However, there's buyer's markets, there's seller's markets. Sometimes you just have to sit on it. And in this case, with some of those 
projects and NFTs that I absolutely love, and I have no intentions of selling them, at least not in this market at these prices. I'm just going to ride it out, wait for that quote unquote bull market whenever it does come. It might be six months, it might be a year, it might be two years. I have no idea, but I just know that if I really wanted my liquidity back, I'm going to have to take a loss. So speaking from experience, not having enough liquidity is pretty dangerous. And also when other deals are coming up, because remember, this whole market is down right now. So let's just say there was a particular project that I really wanted to get into four or five, six months ago. Let's just say the lazy lines. This is a true story, by the way. Now, the Lazy Lions had a floor price the last time I checked at 0.4. And once you do the math out, it was like, you know, five, six hundred dollars, which is ridiculous. Considering that at the peak of things, they were selling for like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So to get in at that price, however, looking at my wallet, seeing how things are, I was like, yeah, well, you know what? I can't just scoop up a whole bunch of these now because I am not liquid. Remember, I spent a lot into the NFTs. So parking on them, sitting on them, knowing that, yes, they still have value and so forth. But if I was supposed to get emotional and try to say, you know what, let me just unload some of these, pick up some lazy lines, it could be very detrimental. So with this one, speaking from experience, look at my wallet and be, trust me, I know. I'm just like everybody else. I don't have a massive trust fund, millions of dollars to throw around in this thing or uh, have for some financial institution backing me or anything of that nature. I'm a regular person using my real day job to fund this operation, if you will. So these things definitely apply to me. And this one in particular, I can speak from personal experience. So going on to number nine, not protecting your assets with a hardware wallet. Depending which blockchain you're on, you know, you might have a cloud wallet such as in Wax or whatever, but even then they do have Anchor, which is a fully private wallet. You have your own keys and everything. However, there's a lot of different ones where there is a cloud wallet or some sort of custodial wallet where uh, you don't necessarily have full access to the keys and everything. And if it's not your keys, it is not your crypto or your NFTs or your assets. Always keep that in mind. But going back to it, not protecting your assets with a hardware wallet such as a Ledger or Trezor or a paper wallet, meaning that you just have the uh, phrases written down in paper. There's actually no device. It is not connected to a MetaMask or a Ledger or anything. Well, having those as your protection is very important and very beneficial because it cannot be hacked. In theory, it is much, 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 much safer to have one of these than it is to have your MetaMask always connected to the internet and you make some clicks and so forth. And a lot of times when people get hacked, it is usually because they willingly signed over onto something. They make it sound like, you know, some secret CIA operation took place and they got into their computer while they were sleeping and they did some things and then drained their wallet. But no, when you really trace it back, it always comes down to, I shouldn't say always, 99.999% of the time, it comes back to someone actively pressing something that they shouldn't have and giving something permission. But with the Ledger or another hardware wallet, such as Trezor or whatever, it's just another step. It is so much harder in order to do that simply because it is not always connected and there's an extra additional step, especially if you're on the road and you're in a rush. Sometimes you just do some dumb things, but knowing that you have a hardware wallet sitting by that you have to connect to your computer or you have to do certain things, you just are just that much more intentional. You're going to read what you're doing. You're going to have to physically see and sign something, giving it permission that, you know, there's a lot of warnings and steps to go through. Now, it is not bulletproof. It is not not foolproof. However, it does reduce a lot because again, remember the number one cause of everything is human error. However, depending how much assets you actually have, investing say 100, 
$200, whatever it might be on a particular hardware wallet is well worth it, especially if you're sitting on some board apes or something ridiculous. If you have, let's say, a total of 10 NFTs that are all, you know, free mints and right now they all went to zero and in total your entire wallet is worth $10, well, yeah, maybe you don't need a ledger or hardware wallet to protect that. However, if you have a couple thousand dollars or a million dollars in there, definitely. Number 10, keeping it simple is just not staying in the loop. And staying in the loop, meaning that you're listening to podcasts such as this, on Twitter, really connecting with the community, understanding what's going on, the shifts, reading different articles, and at the very least, just keeping on top of the projects that you own, whether it is crypto or NFTs, just understanding what's going on, what kind of developments are happening, and keeping an eye on that is very important. And anyone that really ignores the things where their money is parked is really setting themselves up for disaster. Now, this is not saying you have to live in the news space. You don't have to constantly be checking CoinGecko and all this stuff to see what's going on. No, just at least keep a pulse on wherever your money is. Projects, liquidity pools, whatever, you name it, just have an idea what's going on there. So those 10 things, you know, are just great. And just generally speaking, you know, didn't have to really spend much time on staying in the loop. But while I'm at it, if you want another way to stay in the loop, I do have a newsletter that I do. It's called Nifty Business Week. And you can sign up for that for absolutely free at niftybusinessweek.com or on my Twitter. So if you look in the show notes, you can see all my contact information and everything. Please feel free to check that out. It comes out once a week. I cover some articles and things that I wouldn't make a full episode about and give some insight as well. Highlight some episodes. And just a great way to stay in loop of things. But hopefully you found this list to be very helpful. And going forward, as I said, I hope it saves at least one person some headache and frustration. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.